0: good morning no it looks kind of thin this morning we got a few families that are traveling back today and a couple are out with seems to be like a little stomach flu or something going around right now so you know just pray for the ones that aren't here traveling mercies and getting better with their health but uh you know, I was studying this week and going through Matthew in chapter 20, and I was struggling to find a bridge with how I was going to open this message this morning. And yesterday, I, uh, I had promised a friend a few months ago that I would help him in his shopping greer this weekend. And so I spent 12 hours helping him in a retail space, and it was interesting to say the least, but there was this little boy that came in. And he's walking around with his father and he's into all these little monster trucks and this and that and he's got a few and you know father buys him a few and goes to leave and as the boys leaving he I guess another one caught his eye and absolutely pitched a total fit, threw himself on the floor screaming over this one little toy. He just got all these, but he got so upset that he couldn't have that one. And all you hear him say over and over again, it's not fair, it's not fair, it's not fair, and I'm like, Thank you, Jesus. All of us have kids or children or grandchildren of our own in our lives at some point have heard the phrase, it's not fair. You know, when they're smaller and you're trying to teach them how to eat and eat properly at the table, you know, it's not fair. There's not as many mashed potatoes or, or macaroni and cheese as there are vegetables. The ratio is off. It's not fair. They get a little older and they start driving and you tell them, okay, you got to be home at 10 o'clock when well, my friends get to stay out till 11 It's not fair. You know, they go and they get their first part-time job and they're so excited because, you know, they work 10 hours that week and, you know, minimum wage, whatever it is now, and they're so excited that they've got this check and cash and this money that's theirs and then they look and they look down and they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Who is FICA and why did he take so much of my money? (laughs) This is not fair. I remember this very clearly. But as we get older, some of us, We still think these things and we tend to not vocalize it as much, but there's things we feel strongly about. You know, I got passed in this promotion and so and so else, you know, they got it. It's not fair. You know, look at that family over there, their their house, their yard. You know, mine's small. Grass is dying. It's not fair. Why does my family always seem like it's in a constant state of chaos? You know, I, I think about when times I take the few moments we have together, I go out to dinner with Ashley and like, all right, you know what, I want a steak tonight. You know, and I order mine and it comes and it's well done and to the point where it's almost leather like she'll eat it, which is disgusting, but I wanted mine warm with a pink middle, you know, oozing a little bit. And I get this shoelace in front of me. And it's, it's not fair. But we find ourselves obsessing about what we think we deserve, think is fair. You know, I think oftentimes we compare our successes or our failures to what others are getting or doing. You know, are we being recognized? Are we being ignored? You know, Kenzie constantly is a a reminder to me that I'm getting older. You know, daddy, your hair's getting grayer. You're going to bed earlier. You can't see without your glasses. My sight wasn't, isn't what it used to be. You know, if I take these off, everything's blurry at a distance, and I put them on, but things become more clear, and I can see clearly. They come in more focus. But I think that's how God's Word speaks to us, these biblical truths. When we look at the world around us, looking through those, those lenses of grace instead of those blinders of what we perceive to be fair. You know, difficult days fall upon us all, you know, and, and through the lenses of grace, we can see that, you know, during those trials, during those difficult times, God is showing us something, revealing something to us for our own good, for our spiritual growth. But when we continue to look at this in life as a gift, whatever good we have in this life, in this world now, we see God's grace. Whatever good we see in someone else's life, we can say, That's God's grace but it's a profoundly different way of viewing the world when you wake up each day and you hold on to what you think you deserve or what you think to be fair feeling like you've been put in the last place when you think you deserve first you know waking up each day and focusing on the grace he bestows on us that that unmerited favor not because we were deserving but because he was gracious And when we find joy in that and believing that you begin first when we did surely deserve what was last. So something I want everybody to think about this morning. What is your view of the world, your circumstances? You know, are we living, talking to the men, are we living as husbands, you know, our wives? Are we focusing on what is fair? You know, are we too wound up at work? We've been short with our children, short with our wives, no patience. You know, here's the reality, though. At some point, and again, maybe even this morning, you think, I don't deserve this. And we can say that one of two ways. You know, something good, you know, God's grace. You know, God, I don't deserve this, but thank you. Or more often than not, God, why is this happening? I don't deserve this. So stand with me as we read in Matthew beginning or Matthew chapter 20 beginning in verse 1. And this is the parable of the workers in the vineyard. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius and hold on to that. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, You also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still there was others standing around. He asked him, Why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, You also go work in my vineyard. When the evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call all the workers and pay them their fair wages, beginning with the last ones, the last ones hired, and going to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These were who hired last workers only one hour, they said. And you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, Am I not being unfair to you, friend? Didn't you agree to work for Denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Please be seated. You see, in verse 1, we see that Jesus tells a story to illustrate what the kingdom of heaven is like, you know, God's reign and rule. He tells a story which would have been familiar in the context of their time, but also, you know, one we can understand. He said, there's a landowner, and he went out early in the morning to hire some laborers, the day began at 6 a.m., and so the employer set out to get some more workers for his vineyard. You know, you would have had men during this time, and actually in some areas of our country, this is still kind of common, but people would hang around, just wait for people to come and hire them for the day. You know, landowners would go around, and, and during harvest time or, or peak seasons, bring more workers to help tend, tend the fields and harvest the crops. So he agrees to pay them all the denarius. You know, the standard wage for a day's work, they... It, wasn't a lot of money. It was probably a little more than minimum wage. But, but that's what they had been promised. So he goes out not only at 6 a.m., but a few hours later, you know, 9, goes again at noon, 3, and then finally he goes back out at 5 p.m., you know, one hour before quitting time. He gave all the workers the same pay. This upsets the first group because they worked longer. They perceivably worked harder for that same denarius. They were upset with him because it just didn't seem fair. And in reply to their complaint, Leonard asked three questions. You know, three questions that will reveal a lot about our hearts, reveal a lot about how our attitudes are towards God and His grace. And look at verse 13 Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? That's the first question. See, the workers came at 6 a.m., they worked. The whole day, they, they, you know, think the landowner's being unfair because he gave the latecomers as much as them, you know, and, and I think if we're honest with ourselves, we can see that point, right? You know, they were there first, they worked 12 hours, they worked longer, they worked harder, they worked in the heat, you know, uh, these other guys just showed up right before quitting time, and what gives him the right, you know, to give them as much as he gave us? And if we're honest, you know, you kind of read that and you think, you know, okay, yeah, what, what's up with that, God? They worked 12 times as long, and they all got that same denarius? It's not fair. See, I remember when I was in the army, and I know there's some that were sitting among us that were in military, probably relate to this, but I, depending on how you were paid, you were either paid uh, twice a month or once a month. Most of us would go for the once a month because, you know, just in your head you thought you got so much more money if you just got it all at once. But the reality of the matter is you got paid on Friday and come, you know, Sunday night and early in the next week, you're broke. You, you just, there's nothing. But we would hang around in the barracks and you'd get bored, you know, and someone would say, hey, you know, let's get some food. And, and you think to yourself, okay, you have no money, you're digging for every change you get, and that $5 box of chicken nuggets is looking really good. So I would go around and I would take everybody's order. I had a car, one of the few in, in, our, in our platoon that actually had a personal vehicle on base. And I'd get everybody's order and, and a few of us would go out and, and, and pick everything up. We'd get back and you know we'd start handing it all out. You know, Here's the fries you ordered. Here's your nuggets. Here's your burger. Here's the five McChickens. Good luck on the run tomorrow morning because we're running five miles. But everybody got their food. I would be so uptight because, you know, I wanted to make sure everybody got what they ordered and nothing more, nothing less. And we all know this person, but there's always that one guy that says, no, no, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. But as soon as the pizza, the food, something shows up, man, it's like they haven't eaten in months and they want it all. But I'm sitting there thinking, no, I, 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 I paid for this and I paid for that and I'm doing math in my head, okay, so, you know, $5 box of nuggets, 20 nuggets, 20 cents a nugget, I drove, I got gas, everything, I forgot about tax, You're not getting one of my nuggets. And I would be absolutely so ungracious in these moments. But that's how we relate to the kingdom, right? Like, this was mine. I did this. What gives you right to anything that I just brought in? And then I think there's times we look and we see others and we're like, what's God doing over there? Do they really deserve that? Did they work for that? Did they ask for that? Did they put in for that? Instead of trying to figure out whether God is doing too much for somebody, maybe we should start and ask ourselves, how has he been faithful to us? How has he delivered on promises he's made for us? And that's the point he makes with the first question. Did I not promise you a denarius? I gave you a denarius. Where's the unfairness there? I gave you exactly what I promised. Do we ever find ourselves looking over someone else's shoulders? You know, what are they getting? Are they getting a little more than they deserve? Are they getting a little more than me? Is God giving them a little more grace? You know, for the kids that are still in the room, think about it if, you know, you're you're handed an assignment from a teacher. And, and tomorrow he says, okay, Friday, we have a paper that's due. You've got to turn this paper in. It's a major part of your grade. You don't do this, you're going to fail. So a few of you go up there on Thursday. And you ask, hey, can I get an extension? Teacher says, okay, you know what? I'll give you guys to the following Friday. Well, a couple of days roll around. Someone else comes up. Hey, you know, I need an extension. Teacher says, okay, you know, I'm going to show you the same grace. I'll give you to that following Friday. And the day before that extension, that Thursday, that next deadline's due. They go up, and someone else inevitably, look, you know, I've gotten behind. Dog ate my homework. You know, aliens abducted my cat, but I'm not going to get this paper in. And teacher says, no, the paper's due tomorrow. But it's not fair. You gave them extra time. Didn't I give you the same? We look back on our lives and we think of the ways that God has answered. Prayer given us wisdom and discernment and situations, given us that grace, that extension. You know, I think it can be encouraging, but a bit discouraging at the same time when we look back on those times in our lives. You know, we think of things we've done and say, you know, I would never do that again. You know, how foolish I was, but apart from God, we can do it. All kinds of people. But it can leave us a little discouraged of ourselves and how we were, but encouraged and see that how we've grown in grace, how we've grown in Christ, how we're being sanctified. You know, and I find it as I'm even preaching here now in front of everybody, how amazing God takes even the hardest things in our life and turns it in for his good and our growth. When we reflect on things, when we think about family and vacations and all the good times, you know, the, the parties and this and that, that's not where the sanctification, you know, that's not where it, where it happened. It wasn't, you know, the trips to Florida or the day trips to Pigeon Forge unless you're one of the other youth leaders here and took you to know, Van of teenagers depending for us. And yeah, we're probably being sanctified a little bit. But it was that diagnosis of that disease or trials with family or friends, those conflicts that you thought would never end, that marriage that started not so great and all those years later, there you are. And you say confidently that God had a plan and had a purpose. So what undeserved blessings has God given us? Many people sitting here have probably endured more disappointment and pain than I can ever imagine. You know, sufferings and trials and different struggles. But those in Christ, you can look back on those things and you can see those blessings in there too. And some may even be discouraged right now. Maybe you think it's been a long time that you've seen some blessing that God's given you in your life. But I challenge you to dig back in that memory bank. You know, not just the last few days, few weeks, months, but years, a lifetime. Where were you encouraged? What blessings did he bestow on you? You know, I think like the Israelites, how quickly we are to forget what God has done. But isn't it he who gave us sandals in the desert? And are you looking at life with those blinders of what you think is fair? Or those lenses of grace? And then there's a second question. Look at verse 14 with me. Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. So here's the question, and very bluntly. Is God not allowed to do what he chooses with that which belongs to him? And I'll say that again. Is God not allowed to do what he wants with that which is his this whole parable these guys they're 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 complaining about what they perceive to be right what they perceive to be fair you know they said you know we worked all day they worked one measly hour and we didn't get paid any more than them don't we have a right to our fair share and that's essentially what they're arguing here but the master of the house the landowner sees things a bit differently doesn't he says, in effect, you have a right to receive exactly what I promised you. I have kept my word. Take your denarius. He also answers, though, and something I do often, too. He answers a question with a question. Don't I have a right to do what I want with my money? So, again, making this a little more clear. God is in debt to no one. He gives according to his good grace for his good pleasure. It's out of his endless generosity and riches that any of us have any good gift. And it's all from him, and it's all for him. His money, our gifts, our talents, his church, his building. It's all his, and he distributes it all as he pleases and not based on what we think is fair. It's grace whether you arrived at 6 a.m. or you arrived at 5 p.m. It's the kindness of the landowner that called you to himself. The kingdom operates not only, you know, according to our labor, but by his example and merciful grace and generosity. You know, and I often think that some have this weird credit union type of idea when it comes to God and grace and what we think he owes us. You know, haven't I been faithful? Have I put in enough, you know, little by little? And long enough, maybe maybe God owes me a little kickback, maybe a little return on that deposit, maybe some interest, maybe a little extra at the end of the year. I've been faithful, I serve, I earn some withdrawals. We joke and we think about that, but that is what's going on in our hearts sometimes. You know, haven't I been a pretty good follower, God? I've been a pretty good church member. I come pretty regularly. I put a few dollars in the box. I show up once in a while when we've got something going on. You know, I'd like to cash it in for maybe another house or, you know, one with a bigger yard or a pool. Maybe a new car that everybody might notice me in. I want some of the nice stuff that I see them enjoying over there, God. But that's living life with those fairness blinders instead of those lenses of grace. Without that, everything's blurry. God is true to his word, but he is in no one's debt. And he is right to distribute his grace as he sees fit. Again, God owes nobody anything. This parable given by Jesus was about tax collectors, the sinners, the Gentiles that were coming into the kingdom. you got to remember this is written to the Jews, and the vineyard was a very common metaphor for Old Testament, you know, uh, metaphor for Israel. You know, Jesus was speaking of a time then and even now when, you know, there's Gentiles and those people would start coming into the kingdom. And you look at their point. God, we've been here since six in the morning. We have the law. We have traditions. We went through the exodus. We went through the captivity, all that. God, we know. And now some Gentiles, it's five o'clock and they're showing up and they're just going to hang out with us. They're going to get that same denarius. Doesn't seem fair. She said, Don't I have a right to do what I want with my grace? You know, one of the applications, I think, for us as members of the body of Christ as a church, maybe how we react to those who come later. Do we make them feel as much a part of the church as those who have been here for decades? You know, I'm not just talking about Living Way, but I'm talking about God's church, those in Christ. You know, I don't think people are as interested in, are we friendly as they are in finding other people to be friends with, to grow in Christ with other brothers and sisters. You know, it's one thing that, you know, they come in and, good morning, glad you're here, that's awesome, you're visiting, but are we welcoming them in? Are we having them over, small groups, Bible studies, you know, and and I'm going to get off on a tangent here for a second, but Friday night we had a little gathering in our house for our small group, and... Chad had sent a message to a few of us, and it just kind of sparked this bouncing thread for a minute, and I had sent a photo of, you know, you know, here's what we're doing, feeling very blessed to be hanging out, and then all of a sudden, you've got others joining in and that are in different houses doing the exact same thing, and I'm sort of thinking, That's, this is the church. This is God's people with God's people. You've got groups fellowshipping, you've got groups digging in the Word, and it was just... So encouraging. So I, I say that to say this: if you are not involved in a small group, if you feel like, you know, you want to get more involved, or, or there are opportunities, you know, I've heard countless times, you know, nobody's. I'm inviting you right now. I'm a small group leader. There's other small group leaders in here. If you want to be a part of something, come see me after service, and I'll point you in the right di- direction. I'm saying this in front of everybody and on the air. Here's your invitation. You have been invited. But there's a subtle sense sometimes that we can give this sense that those of us that have been here for a while, there's a little pearl clutching that could possibly go on. We built this. This ministry or program wouldn't be around had I not done this or funded that. And, you know, I'm glad you could come to my church. But what does that mean to the body of Christ? When you have people who come in at 6 a.m. and noon and some who just came in at 5, how are they fitting in with all the others that have been here a while? No one has any more right to the denarius as anyone else. When we start looking at people that come in and they start serving in various ways and they start getting the lay of the land like everybody else who's been here a while and they start serving and ask yourself, are you okay that they're getting that same denarius? God has a right to do what he wants with his grace. Here's a final question. And I think this gets the heart of the matter of the parable. Or do you begrudge my generosity, the landowner says? It's not about a denarius. It's not about our labor. It's about our sinful hearts. Are you the type of person who marvels at God's generosity or gets jealous of it? And be honest and think to yourselves. Has there been times when you say, I wouldn't be so unhappy with what I have, except I see others having so much more. And there's different things. What is that thing for you? You know, think about social media by and large. Outwardly, everything everyone else has is or doing, their jobs, their money, their vacations, their opportunities, their pets, abilities, their looks, their friends. It all seems wonderful. Maybe you're thinking or have thought, you know, Justin, you're the pastor speaking this morning, but it's easy for you to say this, but, you know, that it's just God's grace and, you know, trust and be happy for other people. And I would say bad theology operates on the assumptions that the reason we get envious doesn't come from those outside things, those outside sources, but it comes from the circumstances within us, our hearts, our hearts, it's the assumption that if I just get enough and I had a little bit of what they had or a little bit more, I wouldn't have these kind of issues. It makes it sound like the problem is just out there when realistically it's in our hearts. And whatever that thing is, there's always going to be someone, something else, someone else that may look a little shiner, shinier, a little prettier, a little nicer. We don't need to fool ourselves into thinking if I just got in that person's you know, position or had what they had, I wouldn't have these types of issues. It cuts down right to our hearts. And again in the text, it says, do you begrudge my generosity? We have to be able to encourage one another. I think one of the measures of our maturity is that we root for each other and not against each other. I believe jealousy can be a very, very deceitful motivator. You know, look at the greener pasture over there. If I only get that, if I could only get there. God, you are so gracious to other people. What about me? And he says, why do you begrudge my generosity? It's a big vineyard, and he's called a lot of workers. And it's his grace, his ascent to bless as many as he chooses with the gifts and things as he pleases. You know, within the family of God, with people who believe what we believe, we praise God for what he's doing in our lives and in his vineyard. But again, it's not our vineyard, it's his. And finally, look at verse 16. And I love this. The last will be first, and the first will be last. And that's the point of this entire parable. And I know some will probably text later this evening or, in their private time and study, they'll get caught up trying to figure out how it is where the first to be last and last to be first, but actually receive the same as the first who came in last and and they're just going to go in this hamster wheel and go and go and go and go. Kind of like me with those chicken nuggets from earlier in the barracks. It just, it utters confusion and chaos and just let it go. Here's the point. They all got there. They all received the same promise, The same grace. Don't dilute it down to a mathematical equation that you're not going to be able to quantify or solve. God's kingdom is not like this world. And so what's so great about this, this singer that the last will be first and or the first will be last and last be first? The first will be last because they know for all the world they're actually, fir- or excuse me, First will be last because they think for all the world that they're actually first, and that's what it comes down to. You know, I think there's times when we shake our fist at God and say, give me for once, God, what I deserve. Be careful, because he might. If we go through life thinking that we're first, we're bound to make ourselves miserable along with everybody else around us. We're called to be living selflessly, not selfishly if we trust in this sovereign employer, Jesus Christ, that everyone, he gave everybody that same denarius, that same grace, at the end of this life, and our first breath and the next, for those who trust in him, don't labor for the reward, but let us labor because we've been shown grace for his glory. Not like these prosperity pastors that preach this junk, your best life now, no, your best life later, eternally. As believers in humble confidence, I believe we can be wonderfully unimpressed with ourselves and not so concerned with the status or our fair share. God is generous and he is good. He is sovereign and he dispenses his blessings as he sees fit. And as we go through our walks and days and our private time, I pray that you stay in God's word and with those lenses of you know, what you're seeing through with grace, that clarity that, take off those blinders of what you think is fair. Stay in God's word and I'm going to invite the band up here, but before we stand and worship for a song, I'm just going to ask everybody take a few minutes and where you're at, let's pray. If there's something in your life this morning, something that You've been reluctant to let go and give to God something you need to pray over, something in your life that maybe you're holding on to because it's just not fair. Use this time right now and give it to God. So again, let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who died on the cross, paid a debt he did not owe, and one that we could not pay. Father, if we got what was fair, we'd all go to hell but that grace extended to all who trust and believe in your son, Jesus. Father, I ask that you just be with us when we go through those trials, those difficult days, that we can just meditate on your word, focus on your blessings. Lord, and, and foremost, we pray for the lost, that if there's anyone here those we go about, that our lives be a testimony and a witness to your grace. We pray that your spirit will convict their hearts at this 5 o'clock hour before it's eternally too late. Lord, we love and thank you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Stand and worship with us. Because he lives